Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Good morning, all listeners. How are you? Okay, we're <laughs> kicking off with a real tone today. Look, I'm, I'm enthusiastic today because it was a good episode. Welcome to JoJo's World. Send us your missed connections and we'll help you hook up with the JoJo who is out there for you. If your JoJo's out there, we'll Joe you. Uh, that doesn't really work That's that well. It's not really it? a verb, is no, it? No, JoJo's more of a noun. We'll help you Joe to them. Is it pronounced Go or Joe? Anyway, today we watched uh, episode 6, Tomorrow's Courage, or Tomorrow's Pluck, as the subtitles called it. Oh! Oh, okay, that one section makes so, so much So the episode title now. on Crunchyroll and also on the JoJo wiki is Tomorrow's Courage. Yeah. But in the actual subtitles on the video, it was Tomorrow's Pluck. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. I thought the pluck bit... Anyway, we'll get to that. Luck and pluck. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't realise that. <laughs> uh, so we, we we start exactly where we left off last time, as Jojo underwater punches Bruford in the face with the underwater turquoise blue overdrive. And it is intense. Yep. It is majestic, as always. But then we see that, uh, because Bruford is so fast and so cool, he... He dodges most of the punch and just gets a scratch on his forehead and is blasted out of the water. Thing is, they called it a mere scratch, right? But that was more of a giant gaping gash. Which seems to be spreading and like he gets the big cracks across his face. Yeah, sort of like he's breaking down into some sort of other dimension. Oh, like how people die in Dragon Ball and it's yeah. quote unquote sending them to another dimension. Yeah, and they just sort of, yeah. <laughs> so um, they land outside the water, Zabelli and Speedwagon are pretty delighted to see that Jojo's not dead. Yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty delighted if my friend wasn't dead. And then... And uh, then he does this weird attack with his head. Yeah, well, he monologues a bit at first. He's like, this man is made of the stuff of heroes. I'm truly delighted to be able to kill him. His bloodlust <laughs> is showing again. Yeah, uh, Jonathan observes that his knightly valour has been twisted into love of violence by Dio's evil. Fucking Dio. Yeah. What a dick. Either this happens just before the credits or just after it, but uh, he binds him. His uh, he binds Jojo's limbs with his hair and slams him against the tree. Which is interesting because he does it with that weird headbangy thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was hilarious because, you know, you've already got all the musical references and now his attack is a literal headbang <laughs> with his long hair just flowing out. Soon we'll get a guy who has long hair again, but he'll do a windmill headbang instead. As we le- as Zapelli tells us, somewhat contradictorily, Hamon can only be channel- channeled through the limbs. So with Jojo's limbs down, he's helpless. Yeah. Uh, even though Neri two episodes ago, he channeled it through his mouth by spitting razor-sharp wine at Jack the Ripper. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harmon's getting a bit ridiculous now. Yeah, I, I mentioned last episode that this episode has, I think, the most ridiculous use of it. Definitely in part one. Mm. And we'll get to that in a bit. But credits happen. Any observations? Uh, well, it really didn't fuck around before the credits, did it? No, no. Like, it just happened. We got a, it ended on, like, a, a still of Jonathan and Bruford jumping at each other, screaming. Mm, which is beautiful. And with his hair flailing wildly and the other with fire all over his hands. It's just, 
it just finds a way to escalate yeah. every episode. It's it's incredible. So much drama. So little time. <laughs> I thought that the credit sequence had changed, but apparently it hasn't. No, it's still the same. Hmm. Okay. Because I felt. Hmm. We're still approximately in that bit where it goes up the stairs. Yeah, true. Where it's gone up the stairs, even though we're now very far away from the mansion and nothing is literal anymore. And it burnt down. Yeah, and it's gone. Unless they rebuild the mansion. Do they rebuild the mansion? They probably don't rebuild the mansion, do they? Well, we'll have to say this for your prediction segment. All right, okay. Okay, fine. Basically, Jojo is stuck against this tree and uh, Zapelli and Speedwagon are like standing back to back and observing things, which they're doing for the first half of this episode. Yep. And it's like, we have to help him. And then the camera angle shifts and one of them says, Tarkus, he's gonna... But he's still just looming there like he's been this whole time. (laughs) It's interesting how Tarkus will just stand there in one position and then he doesn't move you never see him moving yeah but apparently he's lightning fast yeah i think one of the things we'll see later in this episode is that whenever tarkus isn't on screen he can move wherever he wants to and you won't know perfectly silent basically all he's done so far is stand there and somehow draw attention to himself whenever speedwagon and zapelli are gonna help it's just like he's looming over them and they're like oh no it's tarkus he's there and then nothing is said of it again yeah he doesn't do anything (laughs) else it's great basically around this time bruford goes in for his finishing blow he pulls out his sword and he's running at jojo with he's got it in his hand this time not in his hair oh yeah that's right he's actually being like or as we'll find out human about it Right. Yeah. (laughs) But this means that Jojo knows where the attack is coming from, so that means he can block it. True. So, he easily breaks the hair that was restraining him this whole time. (laughs) With a little bit of Harmon, which apparently he could channel. Whatever, it doesn't matter. And then he kicks out and uh, blocks the sword with his foot. Yep. Bold move. Yep. And then he tries to... He channels the the metal silver overdrive through it. Yeah. Because water isn't the only thing that conducts Harmon. Ooh, fancy. And then his arm dissolves. It goes like it bubbles Akira style and then falls off. Which, when I saw that, I just went, what the hell? Speedwagon in the dub says, there we go, that's it. About time we heard the welcome crackle of Hamon. <laughs> the welcome crackle of Hamon. I love that phrasing. That's a little bit better than, ah, yes, there's a familiar sound that I'm so used to. Yeah. The subtitles i guess by virtue of being more direct translations are very perfunctory Mm, they're very uh japanese-ish yeah there was one scene we were watching where it's the scene gets coming up in fact where people were just saying either observing the same thing over and over again or just seeing how they feel which reminded me of that bit in futurama where it's like you can't just say how you feel that makes me angry (laughs) jojo unleashes a uh an overdrive a sunlight yellow overdrive barrage against Bruford, mm-hmm. and he's doing one of those like rapid fire punching attacks, which in his weakest moment more or less becomes synonymous with JoJo's. Oh man, that wait the barrage those like rapid fire punches. Oh, oh, I thought that was more like Fist of the North Star esque. I mean, it's very anime. So Jonathan is basically yeah, he is. Fist of the North Star man. Yeah, he is, but fighting Dracula. That that is true. Yeah. However, however, he doesn't murder people ten seconds before their heads explode. Yeah, yeah. Still. Maybe, you know, in the future. I, I, I believe he was, a, like, a character design influence was mm. well, North Star being Man. enormous. Jonathan like, North Star. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say on that I one. don't really know much about Fitch Little Star. Yeah, neither do I. I oh. understand that the character designs are inspired by Mad Max, though. Oh! That makes some sense, in a way. In the sense that, like, everyone's over the top. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense for Jojo as well, since everyone's over the top about yeah. it. 
but in a much more camp way. Everyone's looming over the top so that it can't help Jojo when it's being attacked by Bruford. So they fight for a bit more, nothing of consequence happens, and then Bruford leaps at Jonathan, but then Jonathan kneels down and waits to accept the blow. Everyone's like, Jonathan, what are you doing? You're going to die. You idiot. You naive fool. But he doesn't die. What? But what? The sword stops just enough to like lightly cut his cheek. And uh, they, they sort of pause. So they're in the knighting position with the, with the sword over Jonathan's right shoulder. Ooh. What does it mean, Liam? What does it mean? Well, um, as we'll get to in a bit, this is basically Bruford passing on his knightly legacy to Jojo. <sighs> Mind blown. You patronising me. Maybe. Maybe just a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the thing is, bef- just before he attacked, Bruford said something like, this pain means nothing to me. From which Jojo deduced that he was feeling pain again, so his humanity had been restored. Which seems like a pretty big leap. Pretty pretty uh, risky gambit there. Yeah. Just to say, oh, he feels pain? Well, he's not going to attack me then. Yeah. he's. I mean, he's going to die anyway. I could just... He's just so honourable, is Jonathan. Yeah. Very naive, that man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at yeah, the same um, time, it does make You sense. say naivety, Bruford praises his faith in, like, human courage or whatever. Mm. I mean, it does sort faith of make... Faith humanity. I would not take that gamble. <laughs> so, Bruford's soul has been restored to him, and the the flowers around his feet begin to bloom. Look, it's very Dark Souls. It's humanity's comeback. Oh, yeah, yeah. I meant to mention this at the top of the show. The night after we recorded our last episode, you told me that you looked it up, and apparently Jojo was influential on the conception of Dark Souls. It was. Yeah. So, hey. I mean, a lot of nights. Yeah. And apparently later on, a lot of manly manliness. <laughs> But yeah, it's very... Uh... We are in, of course, episode two of Jojo's Dark Souls adventure. Yeah. It's very Dark Souls-y for someone to have be, like, a hollow and, like, have no humanity and then, you know, sort of yeah. get humanity back. And then... He says, the embers dull within me, but I am tranquil. Yeah, deep. There is no bitterness left. And then he dissolves into fucking nothing. Well, first he gives him a sword. <laughs> oh, yeah, he gives him the... Okay, this section. This is the, this is the sword of luck and pluck. <sighs> It was given, the sword of, with luck engraved on the hilt was given to Bruford by Mary Stewart, and now he's passing it along to Jojo. But first he affixes his own benediction, by which I mean he cuts his, thing, his, his finger on the uh, blade and writes a P in front of the word luck, spelling pluck. So deep, Liam. Bestowing luck and pluck on Jonathan. <laughs> so deep. Okay. I have never heard the term pluck used before. So, have you ever heard someone described as plucky? Like a plucky young... No. Okay, that's a reasonably common character descriptor. Okay. Basically, bravery or... uh, Or courage. Yeah, forthrightness. Right, so... Well, possibly with a tinge of arrogance, depending on the context. Oh, okay. Because that entire scene, I was like, luck. Okay, well, he's bestowing luck onto him, that's fine. And then he's like, look, pluck. And I just thought, well, he hasn't got any feathers, so... (laughs) Ooh, this is weird. I like Icarus. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, Icarus, take my blade. Yeah, so with that, with passing his legacy on to Jonathan... Uh, with Pluck. Yep. Bruford uh, disintegrates. He disintegrates into nothing. Like Jonathan solemnly vows to avenge, apparently, his new best friend. Okay, here's the thing, right? You see, like, a small bit of Harmon going away and, like, this shiny little bit. And, like, all the flowers are becoming life again. Are becoming life? All the flowers are becoming... Life again. Life again. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's great and all, but at the same time... 
He just disappears. Yeah. Like, there's no ash. There's no nothing. And then Tarkus has moved off screen to be right, looming right behind Jojo. And we get the, Jojo, he's right behind you. And he turns <gasps> around and he's just there, like a foot away from him. And then he crushes uh, Bruford's armor beneath him. Much like how Smoke would crush Ornstein beneath his up beneath his hammer and reveal himself as the true the yeah. true hard part of that boss fight. Depending on which boss you fight off first. I always fight off Ornstein first because Smog's easier to deal with solo. It's true, he is way easier, and that's why speedrunners do it that way. You meta bastard. And speedwagons. And speedwagons. Speedwagon plays Dark Souls. Oh man. Oh no, I'm not allowed to do anything. <laughs> If he's just, like, sitting in the background, just going, What? But if you defeat him first, then he'll merely absorb his power. What? <laughs> That's his whole purpose, is to yeah. be a proxy. I would, I would, I'd, I'd be into that. <laughs> Full At content. this point in the dub, Tarkus basically does a monologue from his one-man show, where he's like, Bruford was too clever by half. He liked winning his fights by thinking. I just hit him till they fall to pieces. What use have I got for clever? I carry a sword as tall as a man. None of you will get an easy death. <laughs> He's just really going for it. He hasn't spoken till now, I don't think. This dub is incredible. Yeah. I need to watch the dub after all of this because, like, every time you bring these up, it's like, yeah, so this is what this guy says, and it's amazing. They just take so many more liberties with it. Yeah, it's they really, it's really f- a lot of flourishy f- dialogue. Yeah, like you would think the Japanese like subtitling would be a bit more flourishy, because I mean it's a reimagining of the old nineteen eighties manga, isn't it? So you think that after all this time they'd go, ah, oh, well we could just sort of. Yeah. It's been a pretty faithful adaptation adaptation for the most part. Hmm. But at the same time, I got no use for clever. Got no use for clever, mate. So he pulls out his sword and he starts smashing up the cliffside. Poco is back. There was a scene cut from the manga where Poco went, bumped into some people he knew and asked them for help and then Tarkus killed them, I think. <laughs> okay, let me get this right. So Poco, in the one moment of characterization that he has, goes to some other people. Who just happen to be amongst just, the cliffs and spires. Yeah, they're just there. And then Tarkus just kills them. I think it was Tarkus. Wow. Amazing. Which means that in the manga he does something beside Loom till this point. Yeah, true. He actually Which has... I care for less, actually. <laughs> I mean, the Looming sort of makes him, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So they're like, oh shit, he's going ham, we need to get out of here. So they do the dumbest thing. Oh yeah, this. Poco's falling to his death and Jonathan catches him and they're all fine. Nice catch! Yep, that happens again. Again. I mean, he could lift that rock, so he can catch a whole human. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. They do the life magnetism overdrive. Which, okay, look. So they breathe in. Look, they're on a cliff. The cliff is starting to crack. Yeah, they just appeared out of nowhere because they were near a river before. And then there are just a bunch of leaves. And then they use the harmon on the leaves and then magically it turns into a giant The leaves, leaves all connect on their palms above their head. Z- uh, and form a huge, like, sort of, cl- uh, sort of shaped like a, a spade on a, on a spade card. I would card. say a leaf, almost. Okay, yeah, that's, that's yeah. probably more accurate. Yeah, like a leaf or a the spade. The leaves form a yeah. giant leaf. They're dead leaves, yeah. by the way. The, so, you know, life overdrive. Yeah. So they jump off the cliff and the narrator explains what the deal is with this glider. It was something about life being imbued. All in humans emit a small oh, this, magnetic this field. bullshit. Okay, so... All humans emit a small magnetic field. You're an electrical engineer. I am studying to be an electrical engineer. I understand you have some issues with this. I may. So, sure, all humans emit a small electric field, because they emit a small... You know, they have a small electric current going through them. AC or DC? 
Don't even get me started on that argument. So... You know Thomas Edison used ham on to kill an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that monster. Sorry, I digress. It's a good episode of Bob's Burgers, though. That is, that is. Um, True story, too. Oh, is it? Although I think Topsy did kill someone, and that's why they were putting it down. Oh, that seems a bit more legit, then. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it murdered someone. We should probably murder it. Yeah, okay. But at the same time... Okay, so humans have a small magnetic current or field going through them, right? That's kind of already a bit... Okay, all right. This is a bit BS. But then they're like, so now we channel that into this. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Quick problem, though. Everything else around you would have more magnetism than you. So... So you would go flying or something? So if they were saying we channel that into something else, the north and south poles of the Earth are stronger than you. Right. So you channeling your own magnetic field into something. Maybe they were flying directly due south. (laughs) Ooh, maybe. So when they turn slightly... It would just all fall apart. <laughs> this is why Tarkas was such an effective... Like... So when you think about it, this part of Jojo is really bioelectricity versus you only use 10% of your brain. Oh, God. Well, wasn't it Dio unlocked all the potential in his brain? Yeah, with the mask. And now this is like, and now we channel magnetism through this thing. And you're like, okay, look. Okay, look. We've more or less reached the point where Hamon has just become magic. Yeah. And in fact, while they're flying... um. In the sub, Poco asks them, Are you guys human? Were you sent from heaven? But in the dub, he's like, Are you guys wizards? Where did you learn all of these cool spells? (laughs) An accurate... Yeah. 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 No. (laughs) Not a fan. Not a fan. But at the same time... And then Speedwagon's like, Oi, Baron, we're not going anywhere. What's the story behind all this mumbo-jumbo? Zapelli flashback. Oh, true. True, the Zapelli flashback. Which... As soon as I saw they were in India, I just went, of course it's in yeah, India. Yeah, you, you, you were pretty hyped for this to happen. Yeah, I was. I was very hyped. Okay, so as soon as they went, how do you know all of this? How do you know any of this? You must be like a magic man. And then they had the flashback. I was like, yes, yes, I will I will take all of this, please. So Zapelli was, was on a, a quest to find something that would help him overcome the mask. And in... Not in Tibet, because he crossed into Tibet. In no, no, he, he was India? at a port in India yeah. where he met a doctor. A medicine man. A medicine man who called himself a doctor, yep. that's right. And he uh, healed a gangrenous limb just by touching it and emitting light from his hands. Almost like Jesus in that sense. Yeah, now that you say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he was healing people around and he went, Hey, teach me your ways. So I can use it to fight vampires. So I can fight vampires. Yeah. Genius. So he crosses over into Tibet up the Salween River, which I meant to look up, but I forgot to. Let's just pretend we did. Yep. It's a big river. It's probably not fictional. It's, I mean, hopefully it's not <laughs> fictional. It's not like these knights or this town and he, or that tunnel. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, he goes to this place. And he meets these monks. The really old sort of... Tibetan uh, mountain monastery. Yeah, this really old dude takes his hand when he goes in there. His name's Ton Petty. Ton Petty. Which I believe is a reference to Tom Petty. The mm, Debatable. It's T-O-M. Um, okay, alright, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I've never really explored much of his music, but... Uh, and I, I don't think you mentioned you didn't think I mean, he had I, Yeah. Yeah, he's a singer, songwriter, instrumentalist, uh, co-founder of the Travelling Wilburys and has a healthy solo career. Uh, still, apparently still tours to this day according to his wikipedia he's sold more than 80 million albums and is one of the most well sold well selling artists of all time there you go but i don't think i've I've never really looked into it i mean my dad probably knows him 
And he probably was like, yeah, he's okay. <laughs> he's a bit mainstream, though, to which I would go, Dad, everyone's mainstream for you. All right. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, my dad. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? With all of these music references, half of them I can pin down to my dad one day just coming into my room and going, have you uh, looked up this guy? He's a pretty cool guy. Right. And me going, no, please go away. That's... And then him just taking my computer. That's the thing. This being made with, uh, made in the 80s with a lot of people who had become huge by then... Mm. References a lot of people who become huge by then. It means that here in 2016, a lot of the references are people. I'm like, oh yeah, I recognise that name, but I've never really looked into the music. Yeah, yeah. You kind of see it and go, oh, oh that's yeah, okay, I know it. Yeah, but I don't know it. Yeah. So I mean, I should get my dad to help me out with that one. <laughs> just be like, hey, dad, who's Tom Petty? And he'll just sit me down and go, Tom Petty was a great man. Okay, yeah, that's your homework. Oh no. <laughs> Ugh. So, um, yeah, you were saying uh, Tom Petty takes his hand. Yeah, Tom Petty takes his hand and then talks him about fate. Yep. And he goes... Fate being a real thing in the JoJo universe. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like how Dio had the devil's own luck because of those dots on his ear and he wouldn't die that night. True. True. Well, okay. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, he takes his hand and he goes, We'll change your fate if you learn the skill of Hamon. Yeah. With his steely blue eyes. Makes a grim prophecy that if Zapelli pursues this course of action, it will ultimately lead to his death. And Zapelli's like, yeah, bro. But yeah, the subtitles were a bit inelegant in this regard, where it just said, uh, if you train in Hamon, eventually you will die. Or something like that. Yeah, it was literally, you're going to die. It'll change your fate. You, well, I mean, I'm, I was going to die anyway. Yeah, and you go, okay, well, I mean, pretty much everyone I knew was dead, so <laughs> I haven't got that much to lose anymore. <laughs> And we, we, the flashback ends to reveal that Zapelli wasn't telling this story, he was just remembering it. Yeah, with his incredible look on his face of... Yeah, he, he thinks, I, can, I can't tell any of them that I'm going to die from this, not, especially not Jojo. Mm. And he has the steeliest, steeliest blue eyes at that point. At first steeliest. I wondered if perhaps they, they couldn't talk because they had to focus on their breathing to keep that hang glider going. <laughs> He's just there going... <sighs> Three seconds in, three <laughs> seconds out. It just has to be on the dot every time. <laughs> and then we all remember then, that they're channeling their magnetism into it and we just we just forget it because it's bizarre. It's a bizarre adventure. Yep. So bizarre. I mean, look, look, it is very bizarre to be flying on a leaf made of other leaves. Yep. As a, what, 12-foot undead knight. Well, yeah, that's what happens next. Tarkus jumps after them. Yeah, as he jumps onto you and then smashes your ride. Which is made of magic. He breaks it up a bit, but first it repels him because yeah. of all the hammon in it. Which I didn't quite get because I thought he just stabbed it with his giant man sword. Yeah, and, and then, then he gets blacked off a bit, but he's going to come back and hit it again. Yeah. And, but then they see like, oh, there's a, a creepy looking castle structure built into the side of the cliff. And as you said, oh, look, it's An Orlando. It's got a lot of spires and... <laughs> it looks just like An Orlando. <laughs> like, it looks just like An Orlando. It's very weird. Um, so they're like, oh, we should land there before Tarkus kills us in the sky. And then we fall to our unimaginably anticlimactic death. Yeah. So they land on, like, the top level of it, and Tarkus crashes into the... Into the side of Anolondo. Yeah, like, way below. And oh, it's like... and is that when Poco pulls down his pants? Oh, yeah, while they were hang gliding, Poco moons him. Yeah. Fuck you, man. And you're just sitting there going, thanks, Poco. Slaps his ass a bit. Yeah. Cool, you're really contributing to the team. <laughs> so, so useful. And then they first land. you lure them into a trap, and then you and then you move them. Pull your trousers down. Yeah. Later you wet yourself. 
Oh, no, you've, you've spoiled too much now. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tarkus smashes into the side, and they're like, oh, well, he can't regenerate like Dio, so that should be the end of him. But then they look down and like, nope, he's climbing up the side. He's a machine! So then, this is a bit confusing. Zapelli's like, oh, we have, we, he's going to keep coming after us. We have to kill him. Jojo, take the boy inside somewhere safe and come back out and we'll fight him. Where green, ominous gas yeah, is leaking out. I literally out. wrote down ominous green mist leaking out the door. <laughs> like, when you see that, you go, okay, that doesn't look safe. There's this iron door with, like, a, a view grate in it where, at eye height, mm. and just all this green miasma yeah. is flowing from it. It's, it's not healthy. Yeah. It doesn't look like a safe place. So Jojo opens the door and Poco's like, this is where they used to train the knights to kill people. It's rumoured to be full of booby traps. So, you know, really adding to the safe vibe. So Jonathan takes a step in, Speedwagon goes, Jonathan, look out! Before anything happens. And then <laughs> this neck collar thing shoots at him because Tarkis is already in the room. <laughs> I mean, we should preface that this is not like... 10 minutes later. No, this is immediately. This is like immediately they walk in after Tarkus has seen the green ominous mist come from a hole. I guess he must have just like smashed his way into the thing and just <laughs> jumped right up. No, I like to imagine he's really good at crawling. There's no other doors to that room. How well, did he get probably, in? He's probably really good on all fours where he's like... Nyeh. There's no openings. Yeah, remember he was at the wall and then there was that hole? Yeah, but... Well, he's probably really good at climbing. He's found another way to get into All the right. room. Yeah. Secret passages. Some well, he nonsense. did train there, so maybe he knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rationalise it all you want. So, Jonathan gets this thing stuck around his neck, the door shuts behind him, everyone else is stuck outside, and he's in there with Tarkus. This is the lair of the two-headed dragon. I mean... The training event it's in very which subtle. two knights would have collars around their necks, connected by a chain to each other that goes through the ceiling, and they would have to kill each other because... They each have the key to each other's collar around their neck. Hmm. I mean, it's very subtle, the two-headed dragon, mm. because because there's, there's two heads. Crucially, two heads involved in this task. Not, not three, two. I, I can't fathom a way in which they could have come up with a more Saw-esque device. <laughs> because it's exactly like if you were in Saw and you just heard, I want to play a game. You are both connected to each other. In fact, it is literally one of the Saw things. I think it might be Saw 4, where they wake up. And they're attached by this, like, machine in the middle. Uh, and they have a chain coming out to each of their necks. And they're like, cool. Well, depending which one of you is willing to, like, be the worst person, the other one's going to die. Right. And it's something... I can't remember exactly what happens, but I think it's... The key is inside, uh... I think it's, like, your hand or something. Eey. So in order to get it out, you have to smash your hand open and then get the key out. Oh, I really don't like that sort of stuff. Put it into your neck. And then when you take that off, the machine will speed up again and then the other person will like get crushed inside it or something like that so that's exactly what i thought of when i saw oh yeah there's there's two okay i guess there's a parallel there but that's grossed me out (laughs) i mean maybe saw was you know influenced by jojo's bizarre adventure who knows okay so where were we they fight for a bit um yeah they do a little sparring yep uh jonathan or bruford pulls on the chain with his his ogre strength what you mean tarkas yeah sorry yeah uh, Tychus pulls on the, the chain with his ogre strength and slams Jonathan into the ceiling. Which, I mean, it should probably have killed him. Yeah. To be honest. Jonathan tries to counter by um, sending Ripple up the the chain, and ideally through yeah. the ceiling and down Tychus's chain. But this chain is different to the sword. Yeah. The sword was alive. Well, the sword, the, uh, the, the chain is in too much contact with the stone ceiling, so it's all dispersing once it gets uh, up there. Ah, right. That makes more sense. Yeah. I just thought it was because... 
convenience. But if that had worked, like, Tarkus really would have been hoisted by his own petard. Yeah, he would have been like, haha, I've trapped you in this corner. Oh no, I've been caught in my own trap. Yeah. Well, that's awkward. No one puts Jojo in a corner. <laughs> Dirty Jojo. <laughs> So, meanwhile, Zapelli is outside, banging his fists on the door to the extent they start bleeding, trying to break it down. Mm. His knuckles start opening up. Now, this is this is a, a bit of the storytelling that doesn't really hold up to scrutiny, because he says two things. He says, Hamon is not used for, con- for destruction. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. If it were made of bricks, I could pulverise it to dust, mm. conveniently ignoring that the... Steel door is completely surrounded by stone bricks. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that simple, is it? You know, it's like it's like if you had a castle and you built it entirely out of bricks, and then you had a steel door. Obviously, if a catapult hits those bricks, nothing's gonna happen. If the catapult hits the door, you got a better chance of getting in. The amount of sarcasm that I'm using right now is off the chain, <laughs> in case you haven't realised. Okay, right. <laughs> There's probably some steel girders or something that go through. Yeah. Okay. But. Who knows, maybe structural integrity or something stupid like that. I don't know why he hasn't done it. Hasn't at least tried it. Yeah. Also, there's the bit of, look, there's a lever inside. <laughs> yeah. So they look through the, the viewport and Speedwagon can see that around a little corner against the wall, so they shouldn't be able to see it, yeah. is a lever that's likely used to open the door. It's sort of like this L part of the wall. If this was a Phoenix Wright game, his knowledge of the lever being there would be used to prove that he had been in the room before and therefore could have committed the murder. Ooh. Maybe he has been in the room before. Prediction. <laughs> also, at some point, Jonathan's arm gets broken by Tarkus, but he can't. He says he could fix it with the ripple really easily, but the collar's restricting his breathing too much to be able to generate any more ham on. That's right. His humerus is shattered. Yeah. Yeah. Poor bastard. Very, very clinical dialogue there. Yeah. In the dub, he says something like, he just turned my arm to powder or something. They do enjoy that word powder, don't yeah. they? Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, his bones should have been turned to powder. Like when Tarkus went into the wall, when Dio hit Jojo. Around this time, Poco wets himself. <laughs> not even, like, subtle about it. Just, oh no, I've wet myself. Like, there's not even any sort of niceties to it. He's no. just, yeah, being a little shit. Zapelli and Speedwagon are both freaking out. They resolve that they have to climb down to the way Tarkus got in. Yep. Uh, and that, that, will, that will take too long, but they have no other choice. And then Paco gets a bright flashback. He sees these little... Well, he first he sees these little windows that only he could fit through. Uh, these little, they're like little cross-shaped windows. And he has the dumbest face while it's happening. He's like, oh, there are holes up there, but they won't be able to fit through them. But I might. And then Speedwagon has this really actually depressing lamentation um, where he's like, I'm always on the sidelines. I'm powerless. I'm no use to anyone. I wish I could get in there and help. Well, to be fair. Yeah, he hasn't really done a great deal. Yeah. He, although he, he does become like jo- Jonathan's item mule. I believe he's probably by the, I don't know if he's explicitly seen it by this point, but he is. He becomes the one who carries the sword. Oh! Which keys into what I was saying like in our third episode about how he becomes sort of, if Jonathan was a knight, Speedwagon would be his squire. Yeah, yeah, he's the patsy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't really see the sword get handed over to him. No, I, I think. You know, because we didn't have to have another scene of... Speedwagon. The sword's you the luck kind luck. of conveniently forgotten a bit right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he could have used the sword against... Well, maybe he couldn't have used the sword against Tarkus. I don't know. Maybe he'll show up later. See, it's, it's a dex-based sword and Jonathan's clearly all strength. Oh, it doesn't scale, John! It doesn't <laughs> scale! What are you doing? Gotta get that holy enchantment. 
So Poco has a flashback about being bullied by like some kids who look like they're 40. Yeah, they do look extremely old. Yeah. This is exactly what Jojo does. But they don't even look buff old like Jonathan does. They just have like really round, jowly faces. Yeah, they look about 28 or something. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, these guys are real dicks. They like literally punching him in the face, being like, what are you scared? <laughs> you're scared that we're beating oh. the crap out of you oh, and holding you your arms so you can't fight back? What a what a baby. <laughs> Yeah, and then his sister shows up. Yeah, and they're all like, "Oh no, it's it's his it's Poco's unnamed sister. Let's get out of here. Lads. Let's run. She's probably a big threat since we have managed to corner this small child and beat him to a living pulp." I actually like her design. She looks vaguely like Erina, but she has like this. I don't know, she's got this steely gaze about her. Yeah. That's pretty cool. She looks like she's seen the She looks like fuck. She looks like she's seen some shit. We got there in the end. <laughs> So she she chastises Poco for getting bullied, so... Mm. She's like, Poco, why are you getting bullied again? Are you scared, Poco? She asks him, when will you fight back? And he says, I'll fight them tomorrow. And when's tomorrow gonna be? Yeah, tomorrow never comes, Poco. Which is where we get the name of the episode from, Tomorrow's Courage. Yep, and then she slaps him. Yeah, the implication of... Yeah, she's like, Poco, what scares you most in life? Slap! Is it the sting of being slapped? Yeah. The sting of pain. Poco's like, I'll fight them tomorrow. She's like, whatever, Poco, let's go home. I'll do your laundry. (laughs) And then the beautiful, beautiful moment of Poco crying as he's walking home. And you're just sitting there going, did you learn nothing from this experience, Poco? Stop crying and being a baby. But back in the present, it's evidently tomorrow because Poco stops crying and weeing himself and being a baby and crawls through a hole. And the other two are like... Oh, Stop Poco, him, he's going to get fucked up if he goes in there. Yeah, basically. He's going to get literally torn apart piece by piece. Zapelli is like literally halfway through climbing down the thing and he's like, wait, stop him, Speedwagon. And Speedwagon <laughs> tries to run over, but Poco's already too high up in the in the hole. Feeding into Speedwagon's, oh, but I can't do anything. I like how we still see like the, uh, the frostbite wounds on Zapelli's yeah. arm there. That's good consistency. Yeah, I quite enjoy that he's just got blue... Tattoo-esque things. Yeah. Almost like Kerry King from Slayer. Sweet metal reference. Take your word for it. Yeah. (laughs) But it's very, uh, very nicely sort of done because it's not hypothermia where he can't move it anymore. Yeah, it's But it's obviously, it's obviously damaged. Yeah. So Poco crawls through the vent and as much as I dump on him, it's like actually a pretty decent monologue he has going through there where he's like, if I... If I don't help that Jojo guy, then they're going to attack the town. They'll attack my sister. Oh, but it sort of goes against what Jojo's done so far, where they have the monologue of, oh, this is what I need to do right now. Whereas he's going, I had to be the guy that I always wanted to be. I needed to be the one that was dramatic and so over the top that I need to be dramatic. And then he just sort of falls out of a hole. He falls out of the hole, screaming as he does so. Like, look at me, sis, I'm doing it. Completely giving away the element of surprise. And then Tarkus just backhands him. Well, I think he kicks him or something, like, with a leg does, as yeah, big as him. something to just it's, slap him away. That probably would have killed him. Uh, but Jonathan pulls on his chain enough so that it just fucks him up real bad. God damn it, Jonathan. Don't, just let it happen. Somehow everyone, even the guys outside, see this all go down. And Perko's like, I'm fine. Yeah, it's really bad, but I'm not dead. The pain isn't too bad, I just have a massive- Oh shit, the lever's completely rusted over, this was all for nothing. Yeah, and then he like collapses on the lever and probably passes out or something. And now, I die. (laughs) (laughs) Like tears in the rain. (laughs) 
So the door opens, uh, Zipelli and Speedwagon are able to get into the room. Zipelli's like, oh, Baron, show him what for? <laughs> or something. I don't, that's not a quote. It's, it's, it's the essence of what he it's says. It's probably the dub, let's be honest. Yeah. At this point, it's probably what they say in the dub. Sorry, this is like the dopest moment of part one coming up now. Yeah. Where, like, no monologue needed whatsoever. Speedwagon's like, Baron, why are you just standing there? Get in there, mess him up. The opening chords of Roundabout start playing softly as Zapelli remembers Ton Petty's prediction. You'll, you will be destined to die. Yeah, he's like, is this the night that I die? No matter, I willingly go to my death. And he starts walking as the bass line kicks in and it's so cool! And then he does that, where he like reaches out behind him. with. Like, yeah, he slowly open... like raises his left arm up to about shoulder height. And then it just does the whole sepia. sepia. To be continued. And then his face is just there going, ooh, ooh, he's ready. He's ready to embrace so, death. It's so hype. I, <laughs> I totally marked out when we were watching it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. not going to lie. Because he is my roundabout, needless <laughs> to say. That's obviously my highlight. Do you have a different one? or? Uh, I think my highlight would probably have to be, ooh, hang on, no, wait. I mean, that was a pretty damn good moment, wasn't it? Yeah. No, I think my highlight would just have to be Jojo getting involved in this game. No, hang on, hang on. There are three good moments. Okay. One is the dope moment at the end, which is obviously dope. The second one is him just being like, hey, I'm stuck in this trap now. Whoops. Ah, well, better have one of the coolest fights that is probably going (laughs) to happen in all of Jojo. And three is him being a baller and beating Bruford and then being, you know, just calm and chill about it and just going yeah whatever yeah i'm jonathan joestar i don't care if you slice me i'm willing to take that gambit even though it was incredibly stupid but it's cool it's cool right yeah that's probably gonna be mine is that waiting and just not caring yeah and then just having him stop me like yeah he gets so angry yeah. when Bruf- when bruford uh, when tarkus crushes bruford's armor it's like he was yeah. your friend he was your buddy of 500 years and it's like yeah but he's and i've known him for like 10 minutes and i already like him more than you <laughs> it's dope man it's dope shit uh low light Oh, look, probably the life overdrive leaf glider magnetism nonsense. That's fair. I I like that because it's really stupid. Uh, No, because it was all going so well and then you just get this giant glider that looks dumb. And it's fun. It's very fun. But at the same time, uh, that's the point where all Harmon logic just goes out the window. You just go, oh, okay, so it's not just... Life energy, it's just whatever we want it to be now. So no, fuck that scene. (laughs) Uh, Mine would be, in that scene, uh, Poco mooning Tarkus. I just don't care for it. It's just so immature of a five-year-old. I don't know how old he is. Well, he looks like 15, so he must be like five by Jojo rules. It's just, he got conceived, it's too old. Put it down. Yeah, no, it's terrible. What do you think is going to happen next on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 1, Phantom Blood? Hmm. Hang on, wait, let me enter the thinking pose. Put the chair sideways, lean back more. Like I've Hey kids, been. let's rap. <laughs> hey kids, I'm here to talk to you about the future of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. What we need is like one of those uh, Stephen Hawking's devices with like a bit of reverb. So then I can just be like, hello children and welcome to, and then type it in and then get it. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Jojo's trapped in thing. Yep. With Tarkus. Poco is passed out. Speedwagon won't do anything. Mm-hmm. He won't do shit. Uh, that's the first obvious prediction. He'll probably be in the back going, <gasps> What? Show him what for. Yeah. And going, what? But Bally ho. That's what he uses the Harmon for. What a genius move. What a clever play. What an MLG maneuver. My God. And just overall be 
Very speed wagony about it. Zapelli will maybe die. I have to say which way, don't I? I would like. I would like a call. Oh. <laughs> uh. Okay. I think. What with all the talk of him dying, he won't die. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I think later he will die to something. Maybe right. Deal. So you think he'll he'll survive what he thinks the initial prophecy is, yeah. and then it'll be like, oh wait, that wasn't the prophecy. This was the prophecy. Yeah. Because as we know, prophecies are only interesting in fiction when everyone direly misconstrues their meaning. Indeed. Indeed. Otherwise, That's it's what like Macbeth taught us. Yeah. Otherwise, it goes okay. At twelve o five p.m., I will die. Well, actually, I really just hate prophecy in fiction because, like, in if it's a chosen one prophecy, it removes all personal stake in the protagonist's uh, yeah. role in the thing. Or if it's, you will destri- defeat the Dark Lord. It, well, I know this is going to happen now, so... Mm. No, see, I quite enjoy it if it's... Because uh, I was watching the OT crowd the other night, and one of the episodes is where Roy figures out when he's going to die. Right. And so, they're at this funeral. Oh, yes, I love that episode. And they're just like, okay, just don't think about death, and all you can think about is his death. And then it comes to three o'clock, and he's like... Oh, I'm alive! <laughs> and just, yeah. And his phone his phone on really heavy vibrate starts ringing. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so... The first episode with, um... Douglas. Yeah, Matt someone is his name. Matt Berry. Matt Berry. Yeah, he's oh, great. He's so good. So I reckon, yeah, Zapelli's not gonna die. He's not going to die. Tarkus? I think Zapelli will have a hand in his death, but Jojo will be the one to ultimately deliver the final blow. Okay. And that'll happen next episode. And Jojo will learn... Something valuable lesson about friendship. No, it's probably going to be the final lesson of Zapelli, where because uh, we've had that one episode where he fights uh, Jack the Ripper. Yep. And then at the end of that, Zapelli was like, "Do this. Don't let the wine fall out." And then he learned the lessons from that. And then in the last one, Zapelli didn't really give him much of a helping hand, but they were working together. And now it's going to be cool. Well, him surpassing him. Yeah, it's going to be him saying, "That's it, John. I have nothing more I can teach you." Yeah. And now I die. <laughs> and now I die. <laughs> Peace be with me. Except he won't die. But uh, who else is it? Dio's going to show up. I guarantee you Dio will show up. But it won't be in the same room. It'll be like somewhere else. Just right. going. Meanwhile, Dio's doing. Yeah, meanwhile, Dio doing something else. Oh, what happened to the man from the Orient? Wang Chung. Yeah, Wang Chung. Well, if you recall, not in the anime, but in the manga, he got wounded by Jonathan. Yes. But, um, but he's still alive. I assume he's just off nursing his wounds. We might see him again. Maybe. I feel like we haven't seen them in too long. Even though it's been like two episodes. <laughs> but yeah, I reckon we'll see Wang Chung and Dio again in that same sort of meanwhile. And then, yeah, I think that's pretty much everyone that we have to care about because I don't care about Poco. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Poco will just be over there dying. Alright, and uh, oh, now this episode's scorecard. We're six episodes in. I think we're up to, I actually lost count, five or six different varieties of overdrive. Hang on, wait, there's... Because there was metal silver. Yep. Underwater turquoise blue, uh-huh. scarlet red. Yep, scarlet red. Just scarlet. Uh, sunlight yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was also the sunlight yellow barrage. Yep. And life magnetism. Oh, at six. That's six kinds of overdrive. And the extendy punch. Zoom punch. The zoom punch. But that doesn't really count. Doesn't really yeah. come back again. I don't Not think. quite an overdrive move. <laughs> it's unless it's limb overdrive. In my mind, it is the second dumbest fighting maneuver in part one. <laughs> The second dumbest? Yeah. Uh, have we not entered the dumbest one yet? Uh, I think we'll either see it next episode or the one after. Oh no. Oh no, I'm so excited. <laughs> Is it dumber than the life overdrive? I mean, that's not an attack, but... No, but it's pretty dumb. I mean, it's less, like, pseudoscience-y than that. 
Good. But it is stupider in its execution. Oh, oh good. Oh glorious. Okay. Well that sounds like a rollicking good time. And uh, one dead knight. Yes, one dead knight. However, many knights have passed. Like as in knights as in... The su- okay, the look that he's giving me right now is not one of joy. It's one of... I don't want to say contempt. Maybe... What's the expression that Macbeth had when he died? Pain. Pain, that's the <laughs> one, yeah. That's the exact word I'm looking for. Alright, uh... Do we do anything else on this show? I mean, we played Dvorak. Oh, yes. Thank you for our theme music, TPRMX. Thank you. That's my only contribution. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, If you like the show, you can email us at uh, jojospodcastgmail.com or uh, rate and review us on iTunes because that's how you help new people find it. I mean, we've been getting some consistent good stuff happening, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um talk about this every week so i feel like it's getting a bit self-congratulatory but i'm really really pleased with how our numbers are coming yeah thanks a lot for listening everyone yeah you guys are guess good i like you Mm. you're pretty all right i've never met you but i assume you're okay (laughs) i don't want to break that assumption maybe i shouldn't meet them no okay stay away from me everyone you have to cancel your pax panel then (laughs) yeah i have to cancel the pax panel if you want me to do a pax panel in Melbourne, in like 12 episodes. So you can talk about one part of JoJo. Yeah, so I can talk about one part of JoJo. No spoiler questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like, if anyone talks about part four. I'm walking. We'll kick you out. Enforcer. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, it's Tarkus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like, if someone walks in, cosplayed as like a part three character. Someone's like, like hey, who's your favourite character in uh, Diamond Is I? And then Tarkus is just looming over them. <laughs> He's the best enforcer because he's so tall. And so fast. That he'll block out all the sound. He'll just walk in front of him, boom. No more sound. Yeah, but I mean, if you want me to do a PAX panel, then let me know in the email. <laughs> and then uh, I might do it. I mean, I probably won't do it. But I might do it. Who knows? It'll be the most embarrassing thing I could possibly do. And I will be working at the time. But who knows? Who knows? All right. We'll see you next time, folks, on JoJo's World. Bye. I read this thing last night between the hours of 11 to midnight, which is the perfect time. The witching hour. Yeah, the perfect time. The punishing hour. Yeah, the perfect time for Punisher. And it was this old Punisher comic called uh, The Slavers. And it was just about the Punisher meeting a girl and then being like, you need to leave. And her being like, no, they used me as a sex slave. And him going, tell me who the fuck they were. (laughs) And then just murdering them. Right, okay. And like, at the start, I was like, oh man, shit's gonna go like down. And then the end, just like... Oh god. Oh god, nothing is solved. Oh no. But where does he draw the line? Like, if I jaywalk, is he gonna shoot me in the neck? Well, no, that's sort of his thing, right? It's like, if you're really, really heinous about it, then he'll come and get you. But if you're sort of... If he can't be bothered with you because he's got bigger fish to fry, then he'll kill you. What about white-collar crime? Ooh, dude. Oh, dude, he hates that shit. (laughs) I mean, I assume he hates it, I don't know. But yeah, the, uh, the whole thing basically revolves around him going around and murdering sex slavers. Right. But... At the end, he just... He does his business and he murders a whole bunch of people. Business? Yeah. And he just kills basically everyone. But he's like, so then I checked up on all the other ones. They're doing alright. As best as they can, at least. And you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is dark. That's grim. Yeah, it is grim. One of the uh, key characters who gets introduced is a social worker. And she's like, I got into this to stop all of this shit. And then... At the end, they're just like, yeah, so you might kill these guys, but then more will emerge. And the Punisher's like, that's not what I'm here for. (laughs) And so at the end, she's like, well, okay, nothing more we can do for this then. Guess sex crime's gonna keep happening and shit. And you're like, oh God, man. Oh God. It's too real for Punisher. It's too real.
Okay. So Jojo. Jojo. Bring it from there to there. Shall we get started? Yeah. Okay. 